0: Welcome back to the Dream Bigger podcast. Today's guest is a biggie. She's been featured on Forbes, Vogue, Women's Health, and Man Repeller, just to name a few. Guys, I'm talking about Dana James. Dana is a nutritionist, cognitive behavioral therapist, and the founder of The Archetype Diet. If you haven't yet heard of The Archetype Diet, you're in for a treat because it may just solve all your food problems. Her theory is grounded in the fact that there is a deep connection between food and feelings, which is what we get into today. Reading her book was the equivalent of going to a therapist's office, and I was able to uncover so many of my own issues. You know when you're watching one of those rom-coms and think, oh my god, this is me. Well, that was me with Dana's book. You guys are going to love her. But before we get into my chat with Dana, I wanted to remind you that I'm still giving away a beauty goodie bag to everyone who subscribes to and reviews the podcast. That's right, everyone. All you have to do to get one of these sent to you is subscribe to and review the show and send me a screenshot to my email. I know I say it every time, but your reviews are so, so important and really help the show grow so I can get amazing guests just like Dana James. So with that, let's get into today's episode. Okay, so Dana, tell us a bit about your background and what got you into this line of work.
1: So I'm a functional medicine nutritionist, and I've also been trained in cognitive behavioral therapy, and both of those are about getting to the core root of where either the mental or physical imbalance is. Mm -hmm. And I trained in functional medicine and nutrition back in the early 2000s in London, and where I trained, it was established by a psychotherapist. So there was always this focus on the psychological side of the physical body. And so it's always in my realm. Mm -hmm. And then when I moved to New York and I started practicing, I realized really how imperative our thoughts are and how they influence the hormonal and biochemical aspects of the body. Mm -hmm. And that was very early in my career. And at that point in time, we were just starting to understand the gut microbiome and how inflammation can actually impact the body. And it was a little bit like, okay, yes, we can measure these markers, Mm -hmm. but what's causing that to go out of balance in the first place? And so throughout the last 12 and a half years that I've been working with my clients, I really realized that at the root of it, it was some type of missed perceived, Thought or belief system that was causing them to behave in a way that wasn't necessarily aligned with what their physical goals were. Right. So, you know, let me let's go with a really easy example. Yeah. We will talk about oh, somebody has elevated cortisol levels. Yeah. And you can take supplements, you can take herbs, ashwagandha, rhodiola to really reset that cortisol response. Mm-hmm. But then it's like, well, why was it raised in the first place? Like, what's happening in your life that has your cortisol levels chronically elevated and you better be careful because before you know it in a couple of years if you you don't watch it, they're going to be low and and it's like, oh yes, you lead a very busy compressed life, but why? Mm -hmm. Why do you feel like it's important to lead a busy compressed life? Why do you feel like that it's important for you not to necessarily take time out for you Mm -hmm. and and that's what i wanted that's what i really started to unravel in my practice because women were coming to me with food issues yeah i really i specialize in complicated weight loss adrenal thyroid issues and digestive issues and and there's a huge physical component to that but beyond that there's a mental piece to it so i got into it because of my own interest Mm -hmm. in, in nutrition and 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 other things but really once I started to study it I really understood the importance of like how food and the mental aspect influenced our entire well being.
0: I mean I think it's really, really interesting and I've never read a book like yours and I love that you get into like how psychologically we think affects our food habits because I was telling you that like reading your book I was like she is talking directly to me (laughs) this is insane like she knows me so with that why don't you tell us about the four archetypes that you came up with
1: yeah and thank you very much for that that's such a compliment for me to to hear that yeah I really listened to at that point in time when I was writing the book I listened to 3,000 Huh. and And that's a lot, and so you start to see these these patterns, patterns yeah and and it makes it simple when you understand that there's a model attached to it so right. that's why I created the four archetypes because the the it's complex, and the archetypes enable you to really simplify it mm-hmm. because if you know you're a Wonder Woman, which is what you said to me, you're like, oh yeah, I'm a Wonder Woman, and so therefore my cortisol is my dominant hormone, and it's because I really value success and achievement. Mm-hmm. And then there's a whole host of behaviors that come from that. So so that's sort of how I developed the art really through listening to women and, yeah. and you know, oh really, this is at the, at the core of these food behaviors. So let's start with the Wonder Woman. Yeah. So the Wonder Woman sources her sense of self-worth from success and achievement. And one of her greatest fears of being irrelevant. Mm-hmm. And as she never wants to be irrelevant, she's that typical a type personality and is always and really prioritizes work because that's what she gets her sense of mm-hmm. self-worth from and her reward there's not anything wrong with that like we want we want that i'm a wonder woman too mm-hmm. it feels good to feel to be successful mm-hmm. but there's a downside to it and the downside to it is if you don't feel successful if, or if you feel critiqued or you find yourself around other women or men that are more intelligent than you you can feel less than mm-hmm. and that's painful like one of the of Wonder Woman is that they feel like a fraud or an imposter. Mm-hmm. Right? Someone's gonna find them out. Like if that's you, you're, you're a Wonder Woman, I just tell you right then and there. <laughs> so and and these these thoughts and beliefs develop in childhood. So it's it's often with the Wonder Woman, she's either had praise from a family member, typically a father, who's really trying to reward her his daughter with, with being the best and doesn't understand that sometimes she can misperceive that like oh I need to be the best to please my father Mm -hmm. and if oh my goodness if I get a B my father or my mother is going to be really disappointed in me and perhaps Mm -hmm. they do and there's a sense of shame attached to that so they're like hell no I and I'm never going through that again Mm -hmm. or they might come from a background where grades and success just wasn't pushed it was that they came from a less affluent background and they felt a sense of shame around that and that, that is my ticket out of there mm-hmm. right I'm going to be a superstar I'm going to make my own money, money and that's how they create that belief because they're like no way am I going to relive my childhood mm-hmm, mm-hmm. all of this is really emotional and, and you know with that can you can imagine with either one of those mindsets you're going to work hard
0: totally right?
1: you're really going to work hard and you're going to prioritize your work over eating well mm-hmm. right if you have decided that you're going to follow whatever particular type of cleanse program that you are on at the time whether it's a keto or paleo or vegan it you know it doesn't re- choose it if your work is taking priority then that's what's going to happen so you're going to end up skipping lunch and you're going to come home exhausted and tired because you just sort of snacked on whatever was around mm-hmm. because what took the, the the it was the priority for you Often, gonna grab a glass of wine because you deserve it because you mm. had a hard, shitty day, <laughs> and then and then you might eat one decent meal, and then the cycle continues, and it can be really difficult to take out that reward treat mm-hmm. unless she understand why. Um, so that's sort of the, the Wonder Woman in a snapshot there. Mm-hmm. Then we have the nurturer, and the nurturer sources her sense of self worth from giving giving to others. Mm-hmm. She, like she's that. Heart focused woman that that on the negative can get into the people pleasing aspect. Mm-hmm. So her greatest fear is really disappointing some somebody, and, and beneath that, being abandoned or rejected. Mm-hmm. And so she will end up self sacrificing for other people, and this can mean time, money. Um, those are the two prin- principal ones. She can often feel like she can't assert herself in the presence of others. So a typical trait from my nurturer archetypes is that they're in a group setting and they're on a particular program, food program, and perhaps mm-hmm. they're, avoiding, they're avoiding wheat. And everybody's ordering family style, someone orders pizza, someone orders pasta. They don't feel like they're entitled to actually say, well, I'm just going to order the vegetables. Mm-hmm. They don't want to come across as a diva. They don't want to impose upon anybody. So they just sort of go with the flow. They go with the flow, and then they're absolutely disappointed with themselves that they didn't stick to their program. Mm-hmm. Why was that the case? Because they prioritize not upsetting somebody over themselves because that's where they get their sense, sense of self-worth from. Mm-hmm. I want to make you happy. Right? It's such a wonderful, wonderful philosophy, and and we want like the Wonder Woman architect to embody part of that because that's what actually balances her. Mm-hmm. But the downside is when it gets out of balance. Right. And they, Overly people please. Then I find that with my nurturers, they've got severe adrenal issues, thyroid issues, they're uh, often comfort eating because no one's there to take care of them. Mm-hmm. They're so busy taking care of everybody else, and it's difficult for them to accept that caring from others because they often perceive that it's their role. So, so when it, I know my nurturers just by looking at their food behaviors, mm-hmm. right? they're the one that's like, I'm just going to grab the gluten free muffin on the way to work. Because I don't have time to make the smoothie or my son doesn't like the sound of the blender. So everybody is being prioritized
0: Except before, before yeah. men.
1: And so if you want to wind back these food behaviors of comfort eating, you've got to go to the core of It's how did you create that imprint that other people were more important than you. Mm-hmm. And what I find that with the vast majority of my nurturers, it's that they've come from a family upbringing where they got the reward for doing things around the house. Mm-hmm. But there's often a... Maybe there's a sibling with some type of special needs, or um, there's somebody that's an alcoholic in the family, or there's an illness in the family. For one of my clients, her mother went to look after her aunt mm-hmm. because uh, she was suffering from some type of cancer, and so she didn't have that motherly love around mm-hmm. her. Mm-hmm. And and while her mother and, and while her mother was loving herself, right. she just wasn't present because she was busy looking after her 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 own sister. So yeah. If you really, really, one these things don't need to be devastating. They can just have this sense of, oh, I haven't had that nurturing, and it's typically that mother type of thing. Mm-hmm.
0: Um,
1: then we have the femme fatale, and the femme fatale sources her sense of self worth from her physical body. This is the least of my archetypes. So, this is about 15% of the uh, population. Mm hmm. The Wonder Woman and the Nurturers are pretty much split fairly evenly, right? and and then we'll come on to the the other one. So it's just actually the least. And that's positive, because it's very, very hard to live a life where you believe you are your physical body. Right, of course. And that's what the the 1960s feminist movement was really about. It was changing that blueprint that you are worthy because of the way that you look. And back then, right, women didn't, they worked. But it wasn't part of that—that that, that, way it is today. Mm-hmm. And so, therefore, it, the the very simplistic way was be beautiful so that you can meet a rich man, and then life will be happy you, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. right? That was that's the philosophy. Well, unfortunately, that still exists with some women today. And it's not necessarily the, of that blueprint, but it's that my the way that I look is so important to me. And if I feel ugly, then I'm worthless. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And yes. All of the archetypes may have some piece of them where they're like, "I don't want to feel unattractive." I mean, nobody does. Of course. With the femme fatale, it's like where our entire sense of self is based on the physical body. And and I'm curious as social media expands and we have all these influences, how that is sort of going to start to play into it as well. Like I'm going to say, physical body and followers mm-hmm. are almost starting to, to be aligned as one. Mm-hmm. And and no one is valued valuable because of the way that they look regardless of what industry they're actually in you know, we're all valuable just because of that we're a human being and mm-hmm. we're present here in this life mm-hmm. and for the femme fatale it's not that she received a whole host of accolades from her parents and 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 they were saying oh my goodness you're such a pretty girl right da, 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 da. it doesn't happen it happens from a word it gets a word where they never felt pretty enough Right, maybe they had a sister who was, who was skinnier or prettier than them. Maybe they went to a school where everybody had blonde hair and blue eyes and they were brunette. Like, there's something like that where it was just like less than. And in their mind, they created this belief that if they were prettier, then things would come their way. More. Mm. And, and it's hard. And um, you'll find there's a lot more obsessive eating, restrictions, restrictive eating with the fembo towels, and then overeating. There's a lot of shame about, about themselves, um, um, and, and my hope for the femme Fatales is that they really start to realize that they are not their physical body, that there's so much more to them, and one of the ways that they rebalance is with the other archetype, the final archetype, the ethereal, because the ethereal is more in that etheric realm, right? Mm-hmm. She focuses on the more airy, creative, intuitive side, the way for the femme to rebalance itself is realizing that she's just not this physical body mm-hmm, the mm-hmm. truth is what we're attracted to is not the physical body we're attracted to somebody's chemistry right? of course that magnetism and so i really want my femme fatales to, un- to understand that you can look you know, you look pretty that's a thing like look pretty mm-hmm. it's so much more important that you, you feel magnetic and
0: of course yeah
1: and then and then that's the ethereal yes and the ethereal it's about being different for the ethereal and creative and intuitive and mm-hmm. most ethereals have taken on the mask of another archetype interesting because society is only now just starting to value the importance of of intuition mm-hmm. like all, all over we're starting to starting to really value that right whereas you know, kids are now growing up it, you would be the weird kid <laughs> right you'd just be the weird kid if you were like if you were like dreamy or like a little spacey you know the wonder womans are going to crush you <laughs> and
0: i think my best friend is an ethereal actually like you can feel it yeah like they're really they're really airy yeah. i love ethereals cause yeah they're just, yeah it's
1: so light and and sort of just just this there's just like lightness to them like a lot of models are ethereal but they're yes. actually them fatals and that's what's attractive about them because there is this lightness within them Mm -hmm. there's also this fragility and this vulnerability to them which is also very attractive Mm -hmm. and and um because they feel so displaced and discarded they often end up taking on the uh, on the the femme fatale archetype Mm -hmm. or the wonder woman most commonly the femme fatale and when they play out the role of the femme fatale they're even more out of balance than than the normal femme fatale because it's so out of alignment with who they are Mm -hmm. so one of my one of my friends was is truly an ethereal and took on a little bit of the, the femme fatale traits and worked for a Lua magazine sort of back in the day and ended up suffering from vertigo as, vertigo as well as major adrenal issues, partially because it just was such a an odd environment for her to be in when the true ethereal aspect of her didn't get shared right, yeah. about the physical body. Of course, and yet yeah. that's what the magazine was about. And, and you know, working in the corporate world was just not, not – Helpful for her, she didn't flourish in that type of environment. Mm-hmm. She completely left that industry and is doing something more aligned with the ethereal and 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 really in truth with that with a, with a whole lot of joy there. So so you know those those are the the four archetypes and there's different physical effects with all of them. Mm-hmm. If you want me to go through that, yeah. So so we'll work backwards then. So with the ethereal, so the ethereal tends to be quite light and airy mm-hmm. and. Her symptoms are more anxiety, a little bit of depression, gut microbiome issues, dry skin, bloating, and part of the reason for that is she tends to be low in estrogen. Estrogen is an accelerator for serotonin. Serotonin makes you, when you feel good, to the house mm-hmm. to not only decrease the likelihood of depression, but also anxiety. When you have gut microbiome issues, then it will often present itself as bloating mm-hmm. that bloating will also that bloating is caused by a bacterial imbalance maybe some parasites maybe some yeast maybe some yeast and that sets them up for feeling really sensitive towards food and they're naturally very very sensitive anyway they're sensitive to their entire environment so they'll be the, the, the you know the kid that has all the allergies and um and they just tend to be their physical body tends to be a little lighter not always but just in you know, a general... Like more as, petite. Yeah, not necessarily petite, actually. Mm-hmm. So they could be like six foot two and... and but everything's like a little lanky in mm-hmm, a way. Mm-hmm. So, you know, unless they start... Unless they've taken on one of the roles of maybe the nurturer mm-hmm. and they're eating in a way that's really comforting for, the, for them, then they might look a little bit more like, like the nurturer there. Right. The, the femme fatale is less about a physical body shape because it really depends on her food behaviors Mm -hmm. and what she's actually eating so if she's overly restricting then she may look a little bit more like the Ethereal, a little leaner if she is comfort eating and secret eating and doing that out of shame then she may look a little bit more like the nurturer and so the nurturer's body type is she tends to store body fat everywhere because with the comfort eating, it's more carbohydrate-based foods. Those carbohydrate-based f- foods, and this could be a macrobiotic bowl. It doesn't need to be like mac and cheese. It mm-hmm. could be really something healthy. Um, they stimulate insulin, and insulin is the body's prime fat storage And it's there's no, it's indiscriminate. It just puts body fat everywhere, and mm-hmm. that's why she carries sort of body fat everywhere over time. She will then start to store body fat on her upper thighs because the excess insulin interferes with estrogen metabolism. Mm -hmm. And you will store more, if there's more estrogen in the body, you'll tend to store body fat on the upper thighs. Obviously there's a genetic piece to this. Of course, I'm not talking about what's your body shape. Like if you have big hips and and big boobs, Mm -hmm. well, that's just genetically where you are. This is more about the storage of body fat. Like where do you predominantly store it? Right. And cause it gives you indications of what hormones are out of balance. Mm-hmm. Then you have the, and I mentioned before, the more, more adrenal issues, like severe thyroid issues, often subject to autoimmune diseases. Right. Um, so, like, if somebody comes in with an autoimmune disease, with the exception of Hashimoto's, mm-hmm. it's like MS or fibromyalgia and something like that, I, I, I almost always guaranteed to be a nurturer.
0: There's so a lot of
1: this sort of self-sacrificing. Yes. But we also know through the ACE study, Adverse Childhood Experiences study, that if you have two adverse childhood experiences, and one of them could just be divorced parents, mm-hmm. then, sorry, if you have four of, of these out of ten, then your risk of an autoimmune disease goes up by 60%. Wow. Too. So there's a massive mind piece to these physical body changes.
0: Absolutely, um, yeah.
1: part of my work here is to really show the integration of that, Mm -hmm. of how the Mm -hmm. mind and the physical body is influencing your physical body. Right. Um, Then the Wonder Wonder Woman. Woman. So the Wonder Woman is cortisol dominant, Mm -hmm. and so cortisol tends to store body fat, tend to store body fat on the abdominal areas Mm -hmm. in the first place. So that's a good sign that that you might be a Wonder Woman and Mm -hmm. that your cortisol is elevated. Over time, you will suppress your progesterone, and then what happens is you have an imbalance in estrogen and progesterone. Mm -hmm. And you have elevated, you ultimately have this uh, estrogen dominance phase happening, like the nurturer, Mm -hmm. but from different factors. Mm -hmm. But you'll start to store it on your upper thighs as well. So that's the that's the typical body response with uh, with the uh, Wonder Woman, and of course there's anxiety and there's constipation through with everybody. Right? As soon as you are stressed, then mm. the body, entire body, is constricted. Um, you use up magnesium when the body when you're under stress, and magnesium, helps with the peristalsis to enable that. there's there's a bowel movement. I mean, I swear, ninety percent of the women that come to see me have have uh, constipation, and and you can since we're talking about that and just case your listeners are like well how do I fix it mm-hmm. <laughs> so you can t- take four, uh, 400 milligrams of magnesium citrate and mm-hmm. that should just help promote that bowel movement maybe go a little bit higher and then start to look at really how you're living your life where in your life are you compressed right. because it's showing up physically in the body
0: that is amazing like I'm I'm sure people are going to be as blown away as I was when I was reading the book I mean honestly like you're it's just so spot on and I feel like I love that it's not a one size fits all sort of Mm -hmm. approach because I do think that people are more complex than like one diet works for everyone. And I feel like this really helps you address like your lifestyle issues, which is amazing. So while we are on the topic of magnesium, yes. I wanted to pick your brain about supplements and vitamins. So can you recommend three that like everyone should be taking across the board? <laughs> that's,
1: like, like, that's like, can you recommend a diet for everybody? Um,
0: or you could do one for every archetype if that's better. that's a better
1: idea. Okay. Um, uh, so here's my take on supplements. Um, supplements are an addition to the diet, mm-hmm. and they're supplemental. So not everybody needs a supplement. If you are healthy and you don't have a lot of stress in your life, you probably don't need a supplement. Right. However, most of us, that's not how we live. Mm-hmm. And um, so let's think about this. For the Wonder Woman, I would suggest a cortisol-regulating supplement. Mm-hmm. I have my own uh, product, a, a tincture. A, it's, not a tincture. It's actually a powder. Yeah. It's called the Adrenal Tonic, and it contains ashwagandha, rhodiola, cordyceps, cacao, and some coconut milk powder, and some other things. And but the key ingredients are the ashwagandha, rhodiola, and cordyceps. And what ashwagandha does is it helps to reset the cortisol rhythm. Mm-hmm. So it's just really what we want there. Rhodiola has to bring clarity back into the mind, and then cordyceps boosts the immune system. So you've got this really beautiful synergistic product mm-hmm. that tastes good. Because there are products out there on the market that you know, that, that maybe you can get a cortisol powder on its so own, but it's like gross. Yeah, and I I like everything to taste good. Absolutely. So so for uh, the Wonder Woman, it would be a cortisol manager. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are there are various there are many products out there on the market that, that work on the cortisol rhythm as well. Mm-hmm. Phosphatidylserine is another really good one. I don't use like using that in isolation. Mm-hmm. Um, um, I really prefer the the medicinal herbs right. you know, for that response. Then, for the nurturer, so the nurturer it would be a glucose regulator, okay, because she has more issues burning body fat. She's actually a carb burner, and what that means is when she eats food, it she has a propensity towards storing it as body fat versus converting it to energy, Mm -hmm. and this is why she can be gaining when you're feeling tired Mm
0: -hmm, mm -hmm.
1: and, um, a a, and a glucose regulator will help to start to shift that pathway mm-hmm. so things in a glucose regulator would be alpha-lipoic acid uh, green tea, chromium vanadium um, I just got to make main one um, you know the B vitamins and magnesium they're all they're all really really crucial with regulating mm-hmm. that and what they do is essentially help to get the glucose into the cells at a more rapid rate right so that less insulin is floating around more insulin that floats around the more you're going to store body fat mm-hmm. so that's the one that's helpful for her just going to say this if then tells it does not mean that that's for you right because <laughs> <So, laughs> it's like oh my goodness that helps promote fat loss so i'm going to jump onto that
0: oh my right? gosh but, you know, yeah. that's,
1: that's how we interpret it it's like this is this is good for this and so therefore that might be right for me mm-hmm. it's only right for you your what is out of balance right and so, otherwise it doesn't work so you know this is why also we see so much so many issues with you know testing of supplements it's like. Well, Choosing angiodemographic
0: mm-hmm,
1: first of mm-hmm. all. Um, so then, for the then for the femfatel, the Femme would definitely be magnesium. I mean, the femfatel is stressed; Maybe she's so stressed about her own physical body, and she, it's, she lives in her own internal world because mm-hmm. there's a lot of shame, you know, attached to that. Um, and so, so some good good magnesium there. Like magnesium citrate, if you need about movement, and magnesium glycinate, if you know. Mm-hmm. Then for the ethereal, a really good probiotic. And one that's diverse, so one that has at least 12 different species in it because you want that that, that diversity.
0: Do you have a favorite brand?
1: I love Claire Labs. Mm-hmm. Claire Labs, um, and the one I like is the, the most complex one, is called Theobiotic. Mm-hmm. There is a company that I'm um, currently trying out myself called Sun Genomics. Right. And you provide a, a little bit of a stool sample to them, they analyze it, then they have a conversation with you about what your actual goal is mm. and they create your own individual probiotic wow. formula. I am, and I've just started to take the, the probiotics about four or five days ago, but I'm really impressed with that company. And the woman that I spoke to was on the genomics project at the NIH. I, like they've got a very, a very good team. So, you know, somebody who i mean i recommend it for everybody but if somebody wants to get pregnant or someone suffering from utis or somebody's got some mood disorders then then having a customized probiotic could be something that's really uh could be something that's really aligned with them it's obviously at a, at a slightly higher price point yeah. than than what you're going to get from the the um, store but but you want something that works for your body totally and, your, and, and your
0: That's really interesting. I'm going to look into that actually. Yeah, yeah. it sounds amazing. Okay, so right now I wanted to talk about a trend, intermittent fasting. So I know in your book you talk about only fasting for 12 hours. Why is it just 12 hours and how do you feel about intermittent fasting for the full 16 hours?
1: Yes, so a very controversial topic. Yes. And um, while I think intermittent fasting can be beneficial and loved by Certain people, those that demographic is a very healthy population, mm-hmm. and it's a it's like where their glucose levels are really regulated. Mm-hmm. Um, so you are coming out of the sort of a little bit like the CrossFit Paleo world where people mm-hmm. are are naturally very healthy, and this might be a way for them to go into that sort of peak performance. However, if you are stressed, just that's my demographic, I work with stressed out women, I'm not an advocate of it. And the reason for that is when you fast for 16 hours, your body goes into a stress state. So you produce adrenaline and noradrenaline to put glucose into your blood to regulate the glucose levels. So. If you, if you did it for a week, okay, that's totally fine. But if you were doing this for six months plus, and this is how you live in your life, you're stressing your adrenals because you are physically altering something with your diet. I would rather that person have the adrenal reserves to be able to deal with the emotional stresses that come their way. Mm-hmm. When I worked with diabetics, if they are fasting at the 16-hour mark, mm. their blood sugar levels go up. Because that's what's happening. The adrenaline's putting sugar into the blood. They're not eating any, anything. The body is smarter than us. And so it needs to maintain that regular balance then. So if anybody has any type of anxiety, that is absolutely not the program for them at all. So when I did intermittent fasting seven years ago, and I did it for six months until I had a panic attack, and it was my first panic attack. Wow. And, and I went to my acupuncturist, and he said to me, and I'm freaking out. I'm freaking out. The next day I've got a segment on PBS, and, and I'm like, oh, my God, how do I handle this? Like, I don't want to be to having a panic attack or passing out on set. And, and he said to me, this is a blood sugar imbalance. And I'm like, oh, my God. Like, 101 nutrition, right? You don't get destabilized blood sugar levels, right? You eat on a regular basis, so you, so you stop that, so you don't have that process there. And I was like, oh, my God, you are right. I've been intermittent fasting for six months. And I will tell you. My, my weight today is probably eight pounds lighter than it was then. I didn't lose any more weight being on it, which is often the reason that people go on it. What people do get addicted to is that adrenaline response, right? It's like, why do people get addicted to Adderall? Right? Boom, that adrenaline is there. That mind feels really sharp. What do you think is going on with intermittent fasting?
0: So interesting. It's just we got
1: to be really careful with these trends that are out there,
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know. And there, it, there is some research there saying that the intermittent fasting will stabilize the blood sugar. Levels. Right. And I've got to tell you, i here's what I'm going to say with that. Compare. You could say that you could take a diabetic and they're eating cereal for breakfast, and you pull them off their breakfast. Well, of course, they're going to get a better glucose response, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. right? We got to be really careful with the studies that are actually out there promoting promoting the, the success of intermittent fasting. Mm-hmm. And one of the studies that came out, I think it was May, it was reported to have had the weight loss effects. It caused muscle degradation. That was the only thing that was the weight with the weight loss. Wow. So and the population was two hundred and twenty five pounds. It was the, the that was the, the average weight. Right. And and the loss was, I think, you know, so de minimis over, over this, I think it was a twelve week period and that's like there are many other ways to lose right. weight successfully, where you're not actually eating into your eating into your muscle mass.
0: So interesting. So I
1: think that that we just need to be really discretionary with who we recommend intermittent fasting to Mm -hmm. i'm totally fine if somebody wants to fast for 14 hours Mm -hmm. because i think that the 14 hour mark is it's fine in 12 to 14 doesn't make that much of a difference at 16 hours you're pushing it like it hurts yes it hurts to to you know eat at eight o'clock in the evening and then wait it out to 12 but if you waited it out to 10 in the morning you're fine Mm -hmm. right that would be Absolutely fine. if That's what somebody wants to do.
0: So why do you recommend, like even like twelve hours, for example? I
1: recommend twelve hours. Um, uh, you know, that I think is the best time, right? Um, and then you have a little bit of a little bit of leeway there. Mm-hmm. But that's also what the research supports. Right. Now the research is principally on rodents, and we've got to be careful with that. That that because we can't just extrapolate rodent studies to to the human studies. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So you go from eight to eight a.m. in the morning. So twelve to fourteen hour. That's 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 it. I don't want you eating at the ten hour mark. So we don't want somebody eating, um, eating. what would that be, dinner at 8 and then they've got breakfast at 6 a.m. because that's what time they wake up. You just allow, give yourself that 12-hour fast. Mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm. Very interesting. So while we're on the same topic, I guess, of like trendy things mm-hmm. that are happening, how do you feel about like a keto or a high-fat diet? for weight loss for wellness weight loss all that kind of stuff like overall and yeah like okay. if you do like it like is it better for a certain archetype over another like
1: yes yeah. good question <laughs> so the ketogenic diet came out of it was really developed for um it was really developed for epilepsy for neurological disorders Very interesting. and I, even know um, I think it's a wonderful diet for that so it's a, it's a wonderful diet for that from a weight loss wellness perspective it's it's like, what's the goal here? Mm. So I have seen it work really well for men. And that's because men have a higher metabolic rate and they can actually handle the caloric density of the fats, which mm. still counts. Mm. And and so it can become really easy for them. You've got, you know, it's a low carbohydrate diet, just like the, just like paleo. And so you will get a little bit of a faster fat loss result because the macronutrient composition has altered there. Um, however, trying to sustain that is questionable. Again, if you're in the athletic world and that's, that's where you are and this is your life and, and you're around all your keto friends, like you, it's absolutely possible to, to maintain that because that's your world. But if that's not your world, um, that's not my New York woman's world. It's not even my LA people's world. They... they want to be able to go out and have a drink and, and eat some vegetables. They mm-hmm. want to be able to have a juice. And so the ketogenic diet is is traditionally 5% carbohydrates and those carbs include vegetables. So it's low there. I, I just would really caution people as to why they're actually doing it. Now woman, be careful. It's a lot of fat for a woman to digest in one sitting. Mm-hmm. I have many women who come to me who's who have been referred by a physician and they're said to go on the ketogenic diet and they gain weight. Right. Because the the we don't want to dismiss calories. Calories are still a piece of whether we like it or not, it's still a piece of it. The macronutrient composition of a diet will probably give you a little bit of an uplift. I'm not sure what that is. Maybe it's an extra hundred calories, maybe it's yeah. two hundred, I don't really know what that is. Um, but there is there there's definitely an alteration with the macronutrient perspective there. Mm-hmm. But if you have a basal metabolic rate at 1,200, that's what I have, I'm five foot four. There's no way I could survive on a ketogenic diet, right? It's just too little for me. Like if I was eating a good ketogenic diet, which is about two thousand calories, it just gain. Mm-hmm. It just it just gain. So I think it really it depends on it depends on the person. If there's a six foot six foot woman and she's a muscular woman and she's exercising and she needs to get super lean, lean by all means, the ketogenic diet might be a right match for her. But then, so with the paleo, and so would any of the other diets. Right. It just depends on how how limited you want to be with your meal choices. That's not my philosophy. My philosophy, my philosophy, my eating philosophy is: I want you to be able to eat the most amount of food, the most variety of food, and mm-hmm. still see success.
0: Very interesting. Yeah, I mean, it's just there's so much talk about the keto ketogenic right. diet, and I do think that five percent carbohydrates just like not uh, sustainable practice right. and like i i think you'd be miserable
1: yeah if you like vegetables yeah you're I, gonna be miserable like, i like volume absolutely I yeah i love a big salad and and my brain is pretty greedy like i want that
0: yeah and i absolutely. want that with
1: fat. i want some pumpkin seeds and i want a lemon i want yeah bread. like
0: you want and it to I be want, a beautiful uh, yeah, plate of food yeah, yeah.
1: this is it's, it's i'm a huge advocate of fats but not 70 percent fats
0: it's a lot. It's a lot. Um, okay, so let's talk snacking because in your book you, you recommend, I believe, two snacks a day, am I right? Yeah. Um, and like the three meals. So what if someone prefers to do just three big meals? Like why is it that you recommend snacking?
1: So if you're happy with three big meals and if everything's good physically with you, no problems if you just like to eat three big meals – However, if there's some physical imbalance in the body and you're skipping your snacks and then rummaging on food as soon as you get home because you're hungry, mm. well, is that the right approach for you? And my take is no. So, so one snack that I want every single person to have is at four o'clock. Because if you're eating lunch at one, the earliest that you might eat dinner is six or seven on a lot of my clients eat an eight. That's too long of a fasting period. Mm-hmm. By the time you get home, like all you want to do is shove food into your mouth. Right. And this is the behavioural response that I see. So I I really recommend that that people have a snack at four o'clock. It's small and it's real food. So it's really an opportunity to to get more nutrients into the body. It might be a green juice, it could be bone broth, it could be an apple, um, it could be a handful of um, pumpkin seeds, so it's not a pretzel; it's real food, mm-hmm. and the body thrives on nutrients. And one of the reason that one of the reasons that we get hungry is that our bodies need nutrients, right? right? We, we want nutrients, so why would we avoid that snack? Mm-hmm. Right? It just seems natural because our, most of us want something around that time, right? So that's a four o'clock snack. The second snack is. Optional. Mm-hmm. So, if your body's out of balance, then then it's more likely you need a second snack. Okay. The more balanced you become, the less likely you are to need it. Right. So, for for most of my demographic, it's putting the snack in after dinner mm-hmm. because people like something sweet. Right. And that could just be an apple with some honey. It could be um, some fresh raspberries. Right. Something really simple. It could even be two squares of dark chocolate. Right. I, I don't feel like we need to overly restrict ourselves well, as long as we keep it within a, a sort of a caloric boundary. Yeah. Like what I recommend for the snacks is um, whatever your goal weight is, yes. then that's the calories that you would consume. In so pounds, right? In, in pounds, yeah. So if your goal weight is, say, 130, then your, for your snacks, it would be 130 calories. And I will say that most people grossly overeat their snacks, and it's somewhere between 200 and 500.
0: And that's it's like high, 500, 500 is, is like a meal.
1: Beyond a meal. And, and you know, that's somebody's going back and grabbing nuts upon nuts upon nuts upon nuts. And, and then you, you just overdone it there.
0: Totally. And I like how you talk about portion sizes because I think that when. People do say like, "Oh, like I'm eating healthy." Mm -hmm. You almost forget that. Okay, yeah, you could be eating nuts, which are, of course, very good Mm -hmm. for you. But if you're having like an entire pack, or like, you know, by the handfuls, like you can still gain weight. Of
1: course, you can. I mean, the weight loss is like weight loss is a subset of eating healthy. Yes. So just because you eat healthy doesn't mean that you're going to lose weight. I have people that come to me that need to gain weight. And I'm not going to tell them to go and eat mac and cheese or a burger. Like I'm going to put them on smoothies that have bananas and nut butters in them. And I'm going to tell them to go and eat like little fat bombs. Like that would be a case where I would be adding carbs and some fats, like much heavier on the fats and much heavier on the carbs. Yeah. And and so so I, you see it on Instagram. <laughs> I work with some I work with some some bloggers, and I'm like, you better not be eating that. <laughs> <laughs> and I really want them to, to be, like, changing what they're putting out on there, or at least saying that what I put here, I ate a third of that, because right? otherwise it confuses people. Uh, uh,
0: like those massive smoothie bowls, like, yeah, it's just like, yeah. they're, they're, they're large. They're large. huge. huge. Yeah.
1: People just get confused by it. Totally. So, so your know, healthy eating won't necessarily need to, to, need to fat loss, and if you're eating healthy, then portion sizes may be part of that issue.
0: I I love that you say that because I just think that yeah like people are sometimes completely oblivious and they they get confused so I love that you talk about that in the book as well and like talk about like how important it is to have like not overdo it you know yes. what I mean yeah. it's it's yeah I think it's a very very good tip
1: you know it's just a funny thing we've we've gotten into this this place where a diet culture is you know very much shamed upon for various reasons, for, you know, not various, but many reasons, um, and there's validity to that, but we've thrown everything out, and there is some some, some merit to some of that. So, right. you know, when I talk about portion sizes, what does portion sizes mean? It right? ultimately means there's a, there's a reduction in the calories, mm-hmm. and and we've just thrown all of that out, and we, it's still part of the fat loss equation. Of course. So I will say the, here's the fat loss equation that I, that I work from. Mm. It's food is exercise. So there's, your, there's your, the quality of the food, um, how you exercise, mm-hmm. that, that makes a difference as well. And incorporated into that is really the portion sizes and the caloric aspect of it. It's your gut microbiome, it's inflammation, it's hormones, and those hormones will include sex hormones as well as insulin and cortisol. Um, and then it's and then it's unexpressed emotions. And you, if you are not losing... Weight because you are eating well and exercising well, then something is often one of those other other parameters. Right. And for where right, I work between New York and LA, my New York demographic is really onto it with the physical side of the body. and mean, they're a very intellectual demographic, very well read, mm-hmm. and and so they're aware of the gut microbiome and inflammation and sex hormones and those things, and they eat very well and mm-hmm. then they you know. In, Going to their boutique fitness classes but where they're not so good is the the expression of emotions because they're actually really good at holding those emotions in and and part a lot of my work with them is to recognize how you're actually feeling and then that the food is becoming that numbing tool they're not even allowing themselves to feel so they don't even realize that they're emotional eating It's just like keeping the emotions in check and then i have my ally demographic who are much more aware of the the emotional spiritual side of the equation but less so with uh, how are their sex hormones and how's the gut microbiome actually influencing their physical body, and so it's really it's it's quite fascinating to see the different demographics. Right. But also there are different archetypes. So mm-hmm. New York is filled with nurturers and Wonder Woman, and then out here in LA, I've still got lots of nurturers and Wonder Woman because they're the principal um, woman. Um, but then there's, there's a lot more theory out yeah. here. There's yeah, I just, would there's think a so, lot so. Yes. More femme fatales out here, and so there's just a there's there's just a different belief system
0: right so interesting okay so while we were on the topic of snacking i also wanted to ask you a snack for each archetype
1: oh yeah so i work with the color codes a lot so yeah, i love with that the, with the chakras and um so I, I think i'll do it that way so for the nurturer um it's the first chakra that's out of balance mm-hmm. and that color to rebalance is red so for her, some fresh raspberries would be would be wonderful. Probably gonna end up with fruit wood for everybody. Yeah, I uh, guess just because we're working with the color spectrum for the. Um, Fembatel, it's the second chakra and that's orange. Mm-hmm. And so if her, some fresh papaya with some lime would be amazing. And here's the funny thing about the fenpetel, and you've read the book that you know this is that the fembertel is completely avoiding all like the yellows and the oranges because it's got more sugar in yes, it. Yes. Yeah. It's just on that note, it really doesn't. <laughs> so 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 it's like really snacking on that and making an amazing papaya smoothie. Um, um you know, a, a little a half serving could be a great snack for her as well. Mm-hmm. And then for the, the Wonder Woman, it's the third chakra, and the third chakra is all about power, and that color is yellow, so for her, it could be some yellow pineapple. And then for the ethereal, the ethereal is working with the superconsciousness, and that's where you're looking at six, seven, and eight ch- chakras, and so those, the color spectrum there is really the, the purple to white, but I love some good Concord grapes for her, um, and that, that would be wonderful. But you really the way that I look at the snacks is fruit fat vegetable. Mm-hmm. So fruit pretty much whatever you want with the exception of a banana, fat loss is the mm-hmm. goal. If fat loss isn't the goal, then then a banana is a great choice. it's a fantastic choice when you're traveling, regardless of whether fat loss is the goal. Mm-hmm. Then um, fats. so it could be half an avocado, it could be some roasted pumpkin seeds or sunflower seeds. Um, it could be some, some 20 pistachios. Uh, you know it's easy to grab almonds. And, you know not sorry a snack shouldn't be exciting there's no reason for them to be totally like, oh, yay i'm having this amazing snack it's just to get you from really from one meal to the next totally and to give you nutrients and then on the vegetable front it could be a green juice it could be some little croute. it could be some radish with olive tapenade mm-hmm. like there's a whole host of snacks that you can have depending on how it, depending on how prepared you want to be mm-hmm. um I don't even mind if people are having, like, little tiny rice crackers with some avocado. You can't do much damage if you're at that caloric level. So even if you were to have this sort of more carbohydrate-based snack, it's unlikely to really stimulate insulin because it's just too low to to actually do that. It would just sort of go into your blood sugar and not go anywhere else.
0: So you speak about fruits and I think it's really interesting because I, right now there is this like fear around fruits almost being like too sugary. So is there like a certain amount of fruit you recommend or like, what are your thoughts there? Yes.
1: So, so no, for fat loss, no more than two pieces of fruit a day. Okay. Um, and two pieces of fruit would be the whole fruit, right? An apple, a pear, you know, small clementines would be two, Mm. a little container of raspberries, you know, a cup of, just be reasonable like two cups of watermelon because mainly water Mm -hmm. something along those lines um we just have a very distorted and erroneous perception of fruit there's nothing wrong with fruit at all it's Mm -hmm. actually not too high in in sugar it's it's a great pre-workout and it actually has polyphenols in it which support the proliferation of the good bacteria and the medical medium and i are sort of two on this fruit bandwagon of where we're like yeah, it helps to reduce candida. Yeah. Um, because of the polyphenols in there, there is no way that the sugar and fruit is going to get to the large intestine to feed the candida. It's mm-hmm. possible. Because how many muscle cells do you have in your body? you got so many more muscle cells and they're gonna suck up any of that glucose in the fruit before it gets before the leftover gets into the small intestine. Right. And it's only if your body is just like saturated with sugar that the fruit, extra fruit, would be a load. Right now, everybody has their own individual sensitivity to to the the, the sugars. Mm-hmm. So
0: I mean,
1: people are really interested and they're concerned about it. You can go buy a glucose monitor and just check your own. So I have a I have, a, have a peer who is diabetic, super little. just like five foot one and like hundred pounds or something. <laughs> and um, and when she has clementines, her like blood sugar sh- shoots through the and so it's all based on really based on the individual i have a client of mine who can't have fruit in the afternoon because it feels too destabilizing for her but it's one of the most nourishing things that she can have in the evening so,
0: so it's, interesting it's, it's, that it depends on, the person, depends as on well. the person
1: So really what i did with the book was to give people a whole lot of guidance to say you yes. hey, find your archetype this is what you need to focus on mm-hmm. really master this. this is the lifestyle diet And then from there, you can start to tune into your body and then you can make some of your own alterations. But you always, if you get lost, you just come back to it.
0: Love it. Okay, last question. What is your morning routine?
1: Um, I have two, depending on where I am. Um, And I'll talk about LA because it's more of a morning routine versus me getting out of bed and out the door in 20 minutes when I'm in New York. Yeah. So um, um, I wake up in the morning and I go downstairs to make coffee for my boyfriend and I, while I'm doing that, I'm waiting for the French press, then I have a large glass of water and it's got some type of little elixir in it. It might be rose or aloe vera or will be some fresh lemon into it. I take um, the probiotics, I'm currently now I'm taking those, those um, personalized probiotics, and then I might take some other tinctures just depending on what I'm working on, maybe some other supplements, um, provided they can be taken on a um, empty empty stomach. And, um, then we'll bring the coffee upstairs and my boyfriend and I just chat about the day for a good half an hour. And that's our really our morning routine. If I have more time, then I will do a nice little meditation, Mm -hmm. uh, series. So uh, a good 20 minutes, um, so in the days that I'm not consulting, I can do a lot more than that. In the days that I'm consulting, I'm normally at my desk by eight, so <laughs> time. That's my Wonder Woman. Yeah, you know, yeah. oh, I got it. Yeah. myself. But on that note, I have a really good meditation practice before I go to bed. Mm-hmm. So so I'm getting that in um, daily because I really see the profound benefits of meditation for right. for me, and I've been practicing meditation now for probably eight. and you know as as a wonder woman you know my cortisol levels are more elevated and so it's important to have these meditative practices to help help reset that and and so then i don't come across so much like this sort of quintessential out of balance wonder woman hopefully not yeah
0: (laughs) and then in new york it's just it's quick and easy
1: yeah in new york i am up i always do a nine minute press series yeah which i call my nine minutes of nourishment and it's split into three minutes of cat and cow with some um, breathing through the nose and right. then three minutes of a kundalini kriya typically fists of anger or something called sat i actually go through these in, in the book too uh-huh. mm-hmm. and then the next three minutes is my strategy for the day and then i'm um, yeah same thing grabbing glass of grabbing water having the probiotic and then i'm up, up out the door saying yes to my assistant that i will have a macchiato
0: love it thank you so much Dana. honestly i could keep talking to you forever but we are out of time and thank you so much for being here i'm
1: so so honored to be here thank you so much for interviewing me